Welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about blogs and podcasts in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and we're recording on Tuesday, July 14th in downtown Edmonton. Joining me today is Adam Rosenhart. Adam lives on the internet. He lives in real life too, because I've seen him. I'm seeing him right now, but he lives on the internet too. He's been creating interesting projects there for years, and he keeps coming up with more, including his latest podcast, The Expats. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Interchange, the co-working space for socially conscious startups and entrepreneurs at the Mosaic Center. I had a visit with Interchanger Jason Beckdash, and we'll hear from him later in the show. Adam, I have so many things to ask you about, but let's lead with the news. I'm an old news gal, so lead with the news. Start with your latest project. Um, what's the expats about? So um, it's a it's a podcast that basically... Uh, involves me having interviews with um, Canadians living abroad. And the whole the whole notion sort of started uh, a few ways. One, I uh, my girlfriend Rachel and I had traveled to Vancouver a few years ago and actually met someone who does another podcast that I listen to a lot. Uh, her name's Iris Diaz. And she was working in Vancouver, and she told us that she was going to be moving to Dubai to take a job. So I was like, oh, shoot, you know, she's she's moving away. She's a great person. It's it's a shame that Canada's uh, losing, I guess, someone else. Uh, I had a, a couple of friends, uh, Michelle and Jason, who Michelle I used to work with when I, before my current career. She and her husband, Jason, moved to Paris. And then most recently, uh, two dear friends of mine, uh, Phil Paschke and Wade Kelly, moved to Australia. And I thought, well, first of all, It'd be interesting to know what it is that takes people away from Canada, but it would also be really interesting to know what a Canadian perspective is of the places that people are living and what people in those areas, uh, what their perceptions of Canadians are. And you've got such great stories from the people you've talked to so far. Iris talking about Dubai was fascinating. And then episode two with Anna in Japan. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was it's almost like it's... it's impossibly easy to get interesting tales out of these people because you know if even if they've only been living there for a couple months they've had these uh, bizarre experiences that uh, they're going to remember and want to share so my next one is with those two fellows living in Australia and I've got you know something like 32 other people to contact all over the world. Wow. So this will be an ongoing project for quite some time then. Yeah, actually, my, my vision for it is uh, do uh, maybe one or two seasons of interviews with Canadians living abroad. And when that well dries up, uh, start talking to, um, you know, people living in Canada from, from other places. Because uh, I've got a buddy who's, who's moved here from uh, St. Louis. He's, he's doing his postdoc at the U of A. And, you know, the stuff that he finds fascinating about Canada, to me, is just like run-of-the-mill stuff. Yeah. So, you know, those, those could be interesting interviews. Eventually, I'd love to turn the podcast into a book. Yeah. And then maybe a traveling video series where I go visit people living abroad. Oh, you could be like Michael Palin or something, <laughs> going around being adorable and interesting. <laughs> I don't know if I can pull off adorable. That's very, <laughs> that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> Um, okay, I want to go in the Wayback Machine to the beginning of your netizen life. So let's, maybe not the beginning, you, you said you had a, a live journal or something. We'll leave that in, oh, in the recesses of time. But 
um, the first big thing you did online was co-founding Oilers Nation. Yeah. So how did that happen? Uh, so I was working in my aforementioned previous career. I was a business writer at a utility company. Uh, and um, an old friend of mine from elementary school started working there as well. And he found me in the company directory. We had lunch. And he said, is this actually what you thought you'd be doing? And I said, well, no, not really. I mean, I'm writing. And, and that, that's always been important to me. But... Um, but I said, you know, I really thought I'd be a journalist or something like that. And I had done a little bit of freelancing for the now defunct uh, Ed magazine at the Edmonton Journal uh, when, um, when uh, I think it was Therese Keller was the editor mm-hmm. there. Um, but it wasn't as fulfilling as I wanted it to be. And this guy uh, who goes by the name Wanye Gretz online, he's, he's a real person, uh, sort of. And, uh, you know, he said, well, I know you worked at the Gateway when you were at the U of A. I was the editor-in-chief there, not unlike right. yourself. That's right. Uh, we have a hilarious, <laughs> hilariously similar past. Yes. Um, and he said, I want to start this thing, uh, a, bl- a blog about the Edmonton Oilers, because Wanya didn't feel that fans were, were being given a place to have the kinds of conversations they wanted to have about the team online. And that just means sort of, uncensored, no holds barred, uh, hate on a player for messing up in one game and then love him in the next one. And so we started this together with a couple of other silent partners and uh, it's, you know, eight years later. And it's probably one of the most popular sports blogs in Canada, for sure. It's big and it is expanded to other cities as well. Yeah. And it's a, it's an, a little empire that's all intertwined with a lot of other business things that Wanye is involved in, right? Yeah, I mean... It, it, when we founded Oilers Nation, we'd also been working on a startup company called Dub5, which was supposed to be all about peer-to-peer scheduling before smartphones became popular. Wow. And then smartphones became popular, and we were like, well, we, no, we can't do this. Yeah. But we, we started Oilers Nation to basically learn about the internet wow. and never thought that it would take off the way that it did. So what did it teach you about the internet? The Probably my biggest takeaway is that it's hard to develop an audience. And that sounds like one of those awful clinical marketing terms, but it's uh, one of the things I've learned about business and, and blogging and podcasting is you can't have the attitude that if you build it, they will come. These things are a tremendous amount of work. Uh, if you want a big audience to build, uh, to go out and promote yourself and, and always, you know, it, you almost feel a little bit like you're shilling. That was the sort of content side of it. The uh, revenue side of it, it is, I think, one of the hardest jobs in the world to do outside of, you know, Real work, engineering yeah. bridges <laughs> and, and solving yeah. medical problems yeah. is to sell advertising, yeah. to sell display advertising yeah. on websites is monumentally difficult yeah. Yeah. because you're selling volume yeah. and that's actually not where the value is. Yeah. So, so I still actually don't know what the answer is to, to, the, to that challenge. I'm working on it. I hope so. (laughs) I'm relying on you. Coming back to that idea of community, though, one thing I notice about the hockey blogs is so much of the important content is actually in the threads, is in the comment threads. And a lot of other kinds of blogs, they may be used to have a vibrant um, conversation going on in their comments, but not so much anymore. That conversation has moved to, to Twitter or Facebook. But on the hockey blogs, like Low Tide says something, and there's 108 people talking about it right after. Actually, you know, it's funny you would say that, because one of my biggest frustrations with any of my online projects is 
let's say I post a YouTube video and someone comments on it on Twitter. Right. And for whatever reason, like I, I shouldn't be upset about it. They're responding to it. They're, they're engaging with it, but they're not doing it where I want them to. Right. And that's uh, absurd of me. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hurt the cats. No, you can't. <laughs> You're also famous for being one half of the Unknown Studio podcast with Scott Bourgeois. That's right. Um, so what did you think would happen when you started that? Uh, instant fame and, and gratuitous fortune. Um, Scott and I, Scott used to be, we worked at the Gateway at the same time. Right. I, I was, I don't know if I was quite the editor in chief at the time, but I was there and he was a cartoonist slash opinion uh, writer. And so we sort of passed like ships in the night and we were very friendly back then, but I wouldn't say that we were friends. And then we met at a tweet up in, uh, 2010 or 11, or maybe it was nine. I don't know. It was six back years then, ago ish. Yeah. And, um, I said, well, what are you doing now? And he said, I work at a radio station. I said, ha, huh, isn't that interesting? I'd love to start a podcast. And he said, ha, huh, so would I. And I have the means of production. And I was like, well, we should do that then. And that's basically how it started. And we both agreed that it would be a focus on stories uh, that, that aren't being told by mainstream media in Edmonton. And I, I really was expecting uh, very quickly a super engaged audience. But again... The, these things take work and yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And when you started it, podcasting wasn't even as big as it is now, right? It, no. There were some barrier, technical barriers to entry that probably kept a lot of interested people out. I think that, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And I think back to when I first got into just listening to podcasts, um, there is a podcast that may still exist. I don't listen to it anymore, but it was called Keith and the Girl. And it's this guy, uh, I can't remember his last name. A dude named Keith living in New York with his girlfriend, uh, whose name was Hemda. She's, she's a Jewish girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just got together and shot the breeze with, with friends. And I think I started listening to that in the early 2000s. And that was sort of the beginning of podcasting. Uh, that was its birth. And I think it was very popular then. And then there was a lull because smartphones didn't exist yeah. yet. Because I, yeah. I think that's smartphones and iPads are the big driver of this technology. Yeah. Um, and now that they are popular and people are using them for more than making phone calls and even sending text messages, there's been a resurgence because people are looking to uh, consume content that they don't necessarily have to read or watch yeah. while they're on the go and they just don't feel like listening to music. Yeah. So we were probably a couple of years too early, actually, in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, but then you got all that kinks worked out and all the practice and you guys are good at it now and it's easy that's very nice of you to say <laughs> <laughs> i think i've listened to every episode that's awesome thank you <laughs> you've been experimenting on youtube a lot with your own show called just a damn minute and a sketch comedy show called friends without benefits yeah so what have you learned about creating for youtube okay so again uh youtube so YouTube's got has what's called the partnership program. Uh, once you reach a certain threshold, I think of total number of views on your channel, they'll basically say, "Hey, there's an opportunity for you to make money at this if you sign up for the partnership program." And then you do that, and it tells you, based on the number of views you have in a given month, how much money you've made. Um, and theoretically, YouTube sends you a check, which I have not received yet, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but it, it's kind of like the ad the ad model that, that rewards, that doesn't reward volume, but it's about, it's based on volume. Yeah. It's based on thousands of impressions. YouTube rewards quantity. 
So those people that can produce one video every day, their channel will grow naturally much faster. They're producing more content. There's more for the viewer to see. YouTube will feature them more often. They'll get, they, theoretically, they'll get a greater influx of subscribers and then views upon views upon views. And that's how some of those, those some of those uh, channels have achieved success. There's this massive gulf between quantity and quality on yeah. YouTube. And I think that the creators that I adore on YouTube, it's hilarious, they're actually all women. Hmm. And they're all women comedians, basically. So uh, Hannah Hart has My Drunk Kitchen. Uh, Grace Helbig has uh, It's Grace. And Mamrie Hart has You Deserve a Drink. And they're all very focused on what they talk about, sort of. Grace isn't, but she's a comedian. She's making, you know, I don't know how good she is at improv, but I suspect she's exceptional at it. It all, there's also no question in my mind that she plans out exactly what she wants to do with each video. Right. And that's one of, the, one of the big things I've had to learn from a content creation standpoint is you can't just turn the camera on. Yeah. You have to have at least uh, a developed idea of what you want to talk about. So like my next video uh, that might be out by the time people listen to this, uh, and I may be a couple down the road after that, is about the monarchy. Uh-huh. And it's about... Canadians' attitudes toward the Queen, which, how do you put a comedic spin on that? Well, you make fun of the Queen, and you make fun of people who don't like the Queen, and you make fun of yourself for thinking the Queen's pretty cool, and you definitely make fun of Prince Charles. (laughs) So um, I'm still trying to figure out how it works. Right. But one of the, you know, you asked me, what are you doing with that? What have you learned? Uh, What I've learned about myself is that these are all get-rich-quick schemes for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I'm that what I'm trying to do uh, is 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 find a way to make money. I, you know, Rachel, my girlfriend, I mentioned before, she, we've had conversations. She's like, "Well, if you really want to focus on this, yeah, why don't you just do it as your job?" And I I was like, "One, you're amazing yeah. for saying that I should do that, and two, are you out of your mind? <laughs> you know, it's it's not viable yet." But uh, I've been on there for two years. I expected in my first year to get up to 500 subscribers. Mm-hmm. I've fallen dramatically short of that. What I'm finding now, though, is I'm at about 220. And I've made one video that that has well over 10,000 views. Wow. And it's, it was my 10 weirdish facts about Canada. The reason I made the monarchy video is because people were taught, because I said, Canadians worship the queen here in Canada. She's bigger than Jesus. What a mistake that was. <laughs> People took dramatic exception to that. There aren't that many monarchists on YouTube. And there are a lot of people who like Jesus on YouTube as well. There you go. So, so <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to see what content resonates. Uh-huh. And then with this next one, is there an opportunity to build on that? You know, if people already like Canadian trivia, maybe if I talk about the specific, you know, hot topic, I guess, in Canadian political circles, maybe it'll get a lot of views. Right. And I also get a chance to make fun of Mike Duffy in it. And I think, <laughs> you know, anytime you can do that. I mean, that's low-hanging fruit. That's right. Yeah, nobody's doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so what's it going to... Uh, like, there are people, I'm one of them, that's aiming to to make this my job. Yeah. So what's it going to take for you to stop doing this in your spare time and actually do it for real? I think uh, for me, it's going to be things like what the forerunners on YouTube, and I'm very fond of YouTube. I think it's an amazing medium. And I know it's a popular one, especially in Canada. 
Um, but I think it's going to be doing, getting some of the opportunities that Hannah and Grace and Mamrie have had. And those are things like um, Grace has her own TV show on E, right? Uh, which is not my cup of tea, but she's a legitimate comedian who they've hired because she's funny and she can interview people. Um, I think over the last six years, I've become a pretty decent interviewer. Mm-hmm. And so something like, like that, an opportunity to be uh, a creator and get paid for it at a reasonable salary. I'm never going to make as much as like PewDiePie, who made $7.5 million last year. And good for him. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I would love for YouTube to be another source of income for me. Right. And I think of someone like a guy that you and I both know, Adriel Michaud, mm-hmm. uh, who works at Top Draw here in Edmonton. He's got a channel where he he re- he does uh, reviews of camping and hunting products. And he says he gets like between 20 and 50 bucks a month from YouTube. Huh. That would be great. Yeah. You know, a little $25 check. I could go buy a case of beer with it and get drunk and make a video. <laughs> so I, I don't think... Uh, I don't expect it to happen. Yeah. I always hope it will. And I think it could be in the sort of talking head comedian, even being a, a comedy writer. Because mm-hmm. I've learned so much working with Trent and Andrea on Friends Without Benefits about what is good comedy, uh, less is more, that kind of thing. Plus the whole production schedule that you have to do. And you kind of have to schedule your own creativity, which has got to be hard. Super hard. I actually, you know, the last... Uh, couple writing rounds we did I couldn't produce anything and I was feeling really guilty about it and you know Trent gave me some great advice you know think of something awful that's happened to you in your life and make fun of it Um, think of a situation that was absurd and make fun of it like just you know it's been great working with the two of them because they're both very creative and they both approach it very differently I'm still not great at it you know, I've got, I, I'm a great ideas guy, Yeah. but fleshing that idea out is a, is a skill I haven't fully developed yet. What's next for the expat? I was actually contacted by a fellow named Calm Heaney, who lives in Belfast oh. in Northern Ireland. And he, uh, he found out about the show through Mac Mail's blog. Nice. And he reached out to me and said, you know, I've been here for 14 years. He's actually from Edmonton. Oh, cool. And he works at a newspaper in Belfast. And he said, you know, could we... I'd love to be on your show. Yeah. So I'm interviewing him this weekend awesome. at the time of this recording. So that'll come out. You know, I'm going to do one episode every two weeks. I've got someone in Liberia, someone in San Francisco, someone in New York, someone in Burundi. You've actually named a few places mm-hmm. and people that you know. So I'm just going to keep building it. And hopefully it just blows up and turns into something that I could get paid to do. There. Your get rich slow scheme. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> get moderately... <laughs> better compensated slowly (laughs) all right we'll take a break and when we come back we'll hear what local blogs and podcasts adam is into this episode is brought to you by interchange a superbly designed co-working space at the mosaic center in south edmonton i had a chance to tour the space and chat with a few interchangers and here's what one of them had to say about what it's like to work there instead of you hiding in your corner or at your desk all day without talking to another individual Um, we're actually like forcing you to actually have a collision with somebody else. I'm Jason Bekdash. I am managing partner for Transparency. Our clients are in HR. We try to get them to do a good job of marketing so people get interested in working for them. Transparency is one of seven companies at Interchange, a place designed for people who want to make a difference. 
this space is a really great space to call home for our clients. Uh, so if we've got a meeting or we've got a working session or a brainstorming session, having our clients come in and, and sort of experience this building and, and um, just seeing something that's been done differently, I think can be quite inspiring for the work that we do together. So uh, I just think there's a really great story there and I feel like the, the interchange space is, is a story that's evolving just like our small business is evolving. And uh, I just like the parallels of, of what both of those could mean. If you'd like to book a tour and meet some interchangers like I did, you can just visit mosaicinterchange.ca. Okay, well, let's start with the Edmonton blogs that you like to read. Even though I'm not uh, one of the contributors at Oilers Nation anymore, I'm still friends with everybody mm -hmm. there. I read them every day. They're my every connection. Day? Wow. Yeah. Well, I read at least one thing every yeah. day. Yeah, because uh, there's so much. Oh, yeah. And they're my connection. Um, Zoe Todd, she recently moved to Ottawa, but she yeah. was living in Edmonton for a while. I read Urbane Adventurer because yeah. she writes about Aboriginal and ind Indigenous issues, and I don't understand that world and I know that in the next year or two I'm going to need to mm -hmm. living in a, in a place like Canada yeah. um, Linda Huang who is sort of like um, like a social media barometer for me like Linda's really on top of trends in social media mainstream cultural stuff so I always read her social media notes Master Mac uh, is great uh, he just sort of keeps me connected to the stuff in the city that I maybe haven't heard about quite yet his wife Sharon Yeo has a food blog I read I read uh, Tom Seddon's uh, Vildsau uh, where he reviews vehicles and there was actually a vehicle review he did this week where I forwarded it to Rachel and I was like maybe we should get this ah. you know because it was reasonably priced um I mean, it's kind of a laundry list, but, uh, and, and I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, Phil Wilson's blog, Bacon Hound. Uh, he is, uh, he's become a very, very excellent writer. Yeah, he's and, so funny. And he's a super funny guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as podcasts go mm -hmm. uh, that are local, uh, you know, picking up on what Phil does, uh, Sweet Tooth and Meat Tooth, the, the one that he does with Carlin from uh, The Kitchen Magpie. Yeah. Uh, I listen to that one. Quite often, I listen to Mac and Cheese. Uh, that, that's the one that Mac Mail and Graham Hicks do. And I also listen to the Press Gallery, the one that it's the Edmonton Journal. It is good. I love it. You yeah. Know? yeah. It, it's nice to get, like, I mean, I read Graham Thompson. I read all of the, the, the collectively signed editorials. I read all of Paula's stuff. Yeah. But, and they're great writers, and you can get a flavor of who they are. But it's fun to hear them. It's almost like an insider look at the newsroom yeah. at what the political wonks want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I love that. I also listen to my own stuff because I'm uh, a narcissist. You don't have that, oh, I can't hear, stand the sound of my voice thing that people have? No, I'm really used to that because when I do the recording, I, I can hear it. Right. And I, I am, I've come to terms with the fact that I sound like an idiot. So... <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Thank you so much for telling us about all of those things. Uh, be sure to listen to The Expats. It's in iTunes, and you can also find it at expatspodcast.ca. You can find the links to just about everything else Adam is involved in at adamrosenhart.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at bingofuel, 
Bingo Fuel. That's the one. That's the one. The links will be in the show notes at seenandheardyeg.com as well, because I am a completist when it comes to linking. Uh, subscribe to my newsletter at seenandheardyeg.com so you can get a heads up about when the next podcast is ready and catch my weekly roundup of great blogs and podcasts in Edmonton, many of which uh, Adam mentioned, but many of which he did not. So yes. you can always discover more. I'll be back in a week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>